important to remind ourselves what we're trying to achieve with this merry band. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The world goes on. Remember, I preached some time back about the restoration of all things. Amen. The restoration of all things. And as I see it, when I look at the church, I've had a lot of dealings with church, many kinds of churches throughout my Christian life. I realize something. Churches normally grab hold of one truth or one main truth. And that's not a bad thing. Sometimes that truth changes as they go along or it expands. But very often the danger is we look to the past, you see, and we see revivals of the past and think, now that's what we want. But God doesn't do it that way, did you know? And I've learned something now. I had this revelation at a conference, prophetic apostolic conference, fine teaching by fine men of God. But uh, apart from the teaching, which helped me a lot, the Lord was speaking to me. And the point is that God wants to restore all things. And I look back in history and I see how God has raised one truth, then another truth, then another truth, and the devil has come along and squashed that truth, squashed that truth, squashed that truth. But you see, in the end time, God's not going to do it the same way. But he's not ignoring all those things. What he wants to do is resurrect all of those things in their greatness. And the point I'm trying to make is that he wants to restore all things. You see, the bride has got to make herself ready. A lot of people have this mentality that suddenly God's going to take us away. Wouldn't that be lovely? Just sit back and enjoy life. Let the world go to pot and to rot. The point is, sit back and do nothing. Just bemoan the fact that it's so bad. But you see, the mentality is now we are on our high horse. We're all sitting pretty and suddenly God's going to whisk us off, you see, and we're going to look down and shame, poor thing. The truth of the matter is that he's not going to do it until we've made all things right. Who's got to do it? Who is God looking at? You see, when we say oh, it's all going to pot, to hell in a basket, what is God doing? He's looking at you. He's looking at me. He's asking this question. What are you going to do about it? You understand? I'm not anxious to get to heaven. Let me explain that. It's going to be a beautiful place. But you know, once we're there, you can't make a difference on earth. You understand that? You can pray there apparently, but you can't make a difference. We have a privilege being here and having an opportunity to make a difference. Snatching somebody from the fire. Imagine in heaven one day, walking through the streets and somebody comes up to you and grabs you and hugs you. And says, thank God, thank God you taught me the truth. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Wouldn't that be lovely? How many people have you sent to head up to heaven? How many? No heavy here, but we've got to grasp the situation. We're here for a purpose. I don't want to get distracted. But the point is, you see, in the end times, God has got to restore all things. And now, you see, we're sitting with all these revelations. I've had the privilege of being in some of these revivals, so to speak, seeing them happen around some of you as, as well. But what I've seen is that it starts off and then, guess what? The enemy comes 
brings his lies and it gets sort of put into the closet, as it were. God wants it all out, shaken out and put up on high and, and restored, you see. And that's our job. So you see, it's not just one thing that we teach, like one day God is going to revive us. Well, praise God, he's going to revive us. That's part of the whole process. There's a place for the baptism of fire. Did you know that? The baptism of fire. You and I will not change this earth without it. Can you all say amen? You will not win people for Christ using intellect. Hopeless. I don't even bother anymore. Really. If I have a question, I'll try and answer. But you won't get somebody saved, especially a hardened atheist, by giving the whole logical explanation. Do you know that? The mind is a tricky piece of equipment. It will believe what the heart wants it to believe. Did you know that? It will see things the way the heart wants to see it. Have you noticed that? Highly educated individuals making totally stupid statements. Why? Because they don't want to believe. The problem is, and their mind gets twisted. But you see, we've got to now focus on all these great truths. We can't just do one. We can't sit here just waiting for the fire. I mean, that would be nice, hey? The Lord, send the fire, send the fire, send the fire, send the fire. We've been praying for the fire for years. Amen. Now God wants to send the fire. But what have we got to do? You see, this is the whole heart of this church. Practical information about what you and I have got to do. Can you all say amen? Practical stuff we can do from day to day. That all fits together. I don't come and preach just for the sake of going through the process. The pantomime. Christian pantomime. Performing artists. Musicians and others. Lights! <laughs> Disco balls! <laughs> Lay it on us. Hallelujah. Dim the lights! He's going to preach. <laughs> Sorry. That's so funny. Because it's happening. We have an institution or two that are hell-bent to put on a good performance for television every Sunday. Amen? Anyway, let's not go there. We've got practical information. Now listen, one of those pillars, one of those pillars is faith. You see, like, like Elijah of old, when he was on Mount Carmel and there was the sacrifice, all right? The prophets of Baal had called down, called down, done their thing, cut themselves, shouted, screamed to get their gods to come and light the sacrifice. And Elijah sitting on the sideline, laughing at them and saying, your God's gone to sleep. And when they'd given up, when they'd given up, Stacey's going to sleep. Now you're welcome to go to sleep. Anybody goes to sleep while I'm preaching, I sympathize with you. You're welcome. If you get a good sleep out of my sermon, I'm blessed beyond compare. But anyway, here he is, and they all finished, and he laughed at them and said, are you finished with your efforts? Yes, we have done nothing. Then what does he do? He prepares the altar. Do you understand? He pours water. He makes it more difficult for God almost. He prepares, and our job here is to prepare. If we prepare properly, God can send the fire. Does that make sense? If we're not prepared and he sends the fire, what's going to happen? We're going to have uncontrollable forest fire that will do more damage than good. Okay? You get the message. So you see, we've got, and that's happened in the past. God sent the fire, and what's happened to it? They had the fire conference. The fire came. What happened to the fire? I hope you're picking up here, you see, we've got responsibility to get to work and get ourselves ready. Now, one of the big issues in this whole business that we've got to 
continually stoke is our faith. I mean faith. The Lord said, let's just read it, Luke 18 verse 8. Can we go there? Luke 18 verse 8. We sang about it this morning. Luke 18 verse 8. Speaking about this widow who persistently prays, okay, she demonstrates consistent faith. And he said, because she consistently called upon God, consistently stuck it out, stuck it out, stuck it out, even though the person she was speaking to was unjust, because of her consistency, he eventually said, okay, you can have it. All right? And the same thing with God. And he's just, you see. It's not a case you have to beg him for anything. But if we persist, inevitably we'll win. Did you know that? Isn't that a wonderful thought? If you and I consistently persist, if we just persist, eventually we will win. Hallelujah. I'm prophesying that. We'll persist with this church. We will persist and eventually we will win. The fire will fall. Are you hearing me? But when it does, we'll be able to contain it. Well, it won't go out of control, is what I'm trying to say. The Lord said, verse 6, And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Now, this is the important phrase. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, Will he really find faith on the earth? Do you see that? Will he really find faith on the earth? There's artificial faith. Did you know that? There's wishful thinking faith. There's I feel good about it type faith. But when he comes, now you see, please understand the phrase. The phrase is not, oh, maybe I'll find a bit of faith. Whoopie do. No. No, the point is this. If there's no faith on the earth, he can't come back. Did you know that? You say that to some people, they're going to complete fit. But it's true. Before God can manifest on this earth, man must give him faith. Did you know something? When he was on the earth, there was a man by the name of Lazarus who died. And when he was sick and the Lord knew he was going to die and the sister, good friends of his, household friends said, come and heal him. He said, I'll leave it for a few more days. How does that make sense? Imagine phoning the doctor and say, look, we've got an emergency here. And he says, don't worry, I'll come in a few days' time. And then the patient dies. I mean, what's going to happen to that doctor? That's exactly what happened. Now, he turned around and said, I did this for the sake of your faith. The faith. You see? And now listen to what's happening here. What happened to Lazarus? He raised him. Remember, he raised him from the dead. Exactly the same way as God was going to raise him a few weeks later. Amen? Why did he go through that process? You know why? He had to have people on the earth with their very own eyes seeing a man raised from the dead. So guess what? When he was in the tomb, there would be somebody would have just a little bit of faith on the earth so God could do it. Think about it. Think about it. Now you see, here we are, we want God to come. How many Christians argue about when he's going to come? If anybody says it's going to end on Saturday, <laughs> don't believe them, all right? Because nobody knows. You see, that's the point. People say, is he going to come after the tribulation, before this whole thing of when we're going to get raptured? Blah, de blah, de blah. Can I tell you something? If you read the Bible, the reason there are so many different opinions is because it is 
ambivalent. Do you know what I mean by ambivalent? There's two sides to it. And God's deliberately put it that way. So guess what? He's got space to move, you see. Why does he need space to move? If you think that God writes everything down in concrete and it happens, you made a big mistake. Guess what? What is the variable factor in all of this? The variable factor is us lot sitting here. <laughs> us lot sitting here. Will he find faith? Do you get it? Will he find faith? He needs faith. For God to do anything on this earth, he's going to have to have faith. If you try and build a church, let me tell you, and you've got all the gimmicks in place, your advertising is perfect. Amen? Your social media approach is impeccable. Devastating, whatever. And you build this big thing with a whole lot of adherence, but you don't teach faith. Guess what? You're building on air. Amen? And I've seen it happen time and time again. But anyway, my point is this. We have a responsibility, you understand, to develop our faith individually and collectively. A very important part of this whole process. And you see, this morning I just want to encourage us in our faith and just teach us something that will help you and I to develop our faith. Amen. You see, just by being here, guess what? Your faith is being automatically built up, built up, built up. That's the whole purpose of church. You just go there without knowing it. Your faith is growing because we speak about God. We speak about the one we cannot see. And every time you hear about him and you think about him, what happens? Your faith in him grows. You see, grows and grows and grows. Faith can grow. That's the first thing I need to say here. Faith grows. Now, let me explain it this way. The Bible says that everybody, if you look at Romans 12, 3 to 8, we won't go there, but just for your notes, if you want to write down, Romans 12, 3 to 8, it explains that everybody is given a measure of faith. Amen. It's almost like standard issue. When you come into this world, you have been given a measure of faith. What is it in the sense? An ability to believe what you can't see, to trust as a fact what you can't see. And children start off with a lot of faith, don't they? They're very gullible, actually. I believe there was Father Christmas for many years. I really believed he came to our house. And I enjoyed it. There was even snow dust by the fireplace, even though we're in the middle of Africa to prove it, so he must have. Must have come all that way from the Arctic. As a child, you don't think, how could he possibly visit every single household in the world in one night? The engineers put it together, space scientists have said, the speed he would have to move at would mean that all those gifts would burn up. <laughs> but I believed it. Why? I used up a little bit of my measure of faith, you see. That ability to believe something I couldn't see. And what was that faith based on? Information. See the tire. Now, you see, the devil, I didn't realize, was working right then to start wrecking my faith because that measure can get destroyed. Did you know that? Can get destroyed. I'm not against Father Christmas in the family, but for heaven's sake, make sure the kids understand we're enjoying this game together. Does that make sense? We're enjoying this game together, and there's a big difference between Father Christmas and the Lord Jesus Christ. Please, whatever we do, and the Easter Bunny, it all goes together. You understand? What I'm just trying to say is that measure of faith, we soon, in a sense, lose it. Now, what I need to say is this, that you see, faith begets faith. 
me say that again. Faith begets faith. That's in a sense how it grows. What do I mean by beget? In the early testament, this one beget, this one beget, 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 beget. You procreate. Okay, you beget. Tim was beget by Janet and I. So Tim, you're a beget. You're begotten. You're also begotten. You're also begotten. We all are begotten. Am I right? Every one of us is a begotten somehow. But you see, faith fathers faith. All right. Now you see, if you and I take the bit of faith that we have, this is the point, and we look after it properly, what will happen? It will beget us a bit more faith. Let's look at a scripture here. I'd like us to do this. Hebrews 4 verse 2. How important this. A lot of people don't understand this. And because of that, guess what? They mumble along as Christians without any faith whatsoever. And the bit that they have, the devil systematically destroys. Systematically. Thank you for that, John. You're welcome. No, you can go to sleep. I don't mind. Please don't feel sorry. Okay. Hebrews 4 verse 2. We were in a church where there, oh, my soul, that preacher was vicious if he saw you nodding off. Oof. It was so boring. I used to take matches to church. I was an assistant pastor. I had to look awake. You don't have to look awake. Eh? Okay, no pretense if you're tired, sleep. Hebrews 4, verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Now listen to this. For indeed, this is Hebrews 4 verse 2, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Listen to that. The word which they heard was no use to them. Why? They did not mix it with faith. Do you see that? They did not combine it with faith. What does that mean? I can be sitting in a meeting with somebody else, and here I am in the meeting, and somebody's preaching a wonderful message. It's based on the Word, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it's God-ordained. So it's got all the ingredients. And I'm listening to this, and I'm listening, and I'm absorbing everything, and I'm not resisting the truth that's coming my way. I'm not resisting it. What am I doing? I'm mixing it with faith. Right next to me is somebody who is on his cell phone, up in the sky. <gasps> oh, hope he gets over. What's happening? The word is coming, but it's not being combined with faith. Guess what? doesn't profit them at all. Are you hearing me? does not profit them at all. Not mixed with faith. Now, here I want you to grab something. The more faith you mix something with, the more faith you mix something with, the more it will mean to you. The more you'll get out of it. Okay, now, this is what I want to explain. It's like a snowball. You see, it's like a snowball. A snowball, as you know, starts off small, doesn't it? As it rolls down the hill, it picks up more snow. But listen, the bigger the snowball gets, the greater the surface area well, engineers over there, the greater the surface area, the more snow it picks up. The more snow it picks up, the greater the surface 
area for the engineers over there, the greater the surface area over there for the engineers who are here and those who aren't, it will pick up even more snow. So what happens? The growth of the snowball is not just a regular, what's a normal graph like that? Linear. It becomes exponential. You will get it. It becomes exponential. Now please grasp this important truth. You and I are sitting here. We've got a job of work to do that will require great faith. Amen. We are called to do something that God ordained. Can I tell you, it's impossible to do it in our own strength. Otherwise, it's not God. Thank you for that sneeze. I would have preferred an amen, but I take what I get in this congregation. Hallelujah. Be it a yawn, be it a sneeze, be it a snigger, be it a, be it a whatever. I take what I can get. Because Timothy over there filmed me once, and I saw how boring I was, and I thought to myself, shame. These poor folk, you know, to put up. Listen carefully. Here we are faced with the mighty mountain. Say amen. amen. Yes. Amen. Speak it, brother. Amen. Lay it on me. Hallelujah. Amen. Paint you all black and then I'll have some excitement here. <laughs> In the black church, they go wild every time you say something. Wow, hallelujah. Yes, especially. Oh, so it's quite easy. A black church. Most of the folks there have got pigmentation that is of dark color. They are people of color. I find that terribly offensive. Is white not a color? Can I'm just digressing it. Can I ask you a question? Is white a color? White is a color, is it not? Now, if you say to me, I'm not a person of color and I'm white, I get offended. I'm a person of color. We are getting distracted here. When you're facing a mighty mountain, please pay attention. How many of us are facing a mountain? All of us. All of us. facing a mountain. You see? And the temptation is to think, I'll never be able to believe for that. You understand? I won't be able to believe. I've often been in that situation. At the side of a bed where there's a kid and there's pipes coming out of every single hole and, and more that you don't even know of. And it's, I mean, it looks horrific. And the doctor, let me tell you, the doctor, this is the word, takes the parents. He takes them off into this room next door. What do you think he's discussing with them? Do you understand? It looks bad. It looks bad. You see, now you think, my faith can't manage this. Here's the message. You might feel that your faith can't manage it now. Amen? That doesn't mean that you and I cannot develop our faith to the place where it can handle it. Amen? You see? And the key is, in the situation where you think, I can't do it, just believe anyway. Make a decision. Are you hearing me? Just believe anyway. You're being honest. You see, there's a difference between faith and belief. Can I explain it this way? You see, they are both parts of the same coin. But they're not exactly the same. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. If we have the faith, God can move. All right? But you see, belief, you can only believe if you have the faith. Can you see that? You can only believe if you really have the faith. 
You think of that man whose son was epileptic. We all know the story. He comes, the disciples can't help him. Their faith is not at a level to help them. He eventually comes to the master and the Lord says, Do you believe? Remember? Do you believe? And then what did he say? All things possible to him who really believes. So your mountain can be overcome. Did you know that? If you can come to that place where you can say to God, I really believe. But you see, that man was humble enough to say, I do believe. In other words, I really want to believe. That's the condition of all of us, isn't it? We really want to believe. We really want to, most of us should really want to believe. If not for ourselves, for other people. I really want to have faithful people. I think one of the greatest miracles that to be part of would be to stand by the bedside of a child who's passed on. Can you think of it? And the parents are heartbroken and have the faith to take that child by the hand. Little girl, wake up. Wouldn't that be beautiful? But you see, that man said, help my unbelief. What is he saying? I really want to believe, but if I'm honest with myself right now, I don't believe. Why? I don't have the faith. And it's quite understandable, isn't it? He's lived with this condition in his home for years. Imagine having a child. You have to keep your eye on the child all the time because it might fall into the fire and burn itself. How horrific is that? 24-7 you've got to be. So obviously, if you've lived with that, how easy is it to believe that that child can instantaneously be healed? Not very easy, is it? And when it comes to the disciples and other people are getting healed and the disciples are having success, but your child, no. Your child, no. Like me with my dentist. Went here the first time. I'll fix you up. I think he's got his degree from somewhere in Pakistan, but I'll fix you up. Say, so fix me up. That night, the thing came off. So I went back. No problem. <laughs> Word of advice when you say that phrase, no problem. Guess what? You've got a problem. Anyway, if we fix this one up again, and then what, the four of them that you fixed. What happens? That night, it comes off again. So I thought, oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. So I thought, well, what do I do? Do I go somewhere else? I thought, no, leave it. What happened about a month later, the other one comes off as well. And then the other night, guess what? I'm eating a chip, a Pringle. I thought, this Pringle's quite rough, you know, quite gritty. Found out the third one had come out. So, I mean, I'm going back on Thursday. Pray for me. All right, pray for me. Because I can't go every month. How did I get onto that? He's gone to all the professionals. I haven't been able to do it. So what is he doing? Losing faith. Like me losing faith in a Pakistani dental certificate. Anyway, so he comes to the Lord and his faith is at an all-time low. Done everything he can. But the Lord says all things are possible. Now the point is, he realized that that man's faith couldn't do it. But guess what? He had enough to do it. Amen? Can you hear that? He had enough to do it. But you see, for you and I, please understand something. It might seem impossible. But hang in there. Because faith grows. And you see, if you and I choose to believe, even though in our heart of hearts we don't really believe, 
We choose to believe, and we choose to believe what's happening all the time. Our faith is growing. Are you hearing me? And there's always comes that moment, I tell you, it's like heaven on earth, where what you want to believe, suddenly you do believe. Amen. That's the time to operate in faith. Amen. It's almost like you've saved enough money in the bank, you can go and buy your teddy bear. Go and buy your teddy bear. My sister and I saw this massive teddy bear in the shop window. Thought one day <laughs> we had little teddy bears, but we wanted Makulu. <laughs> we left town before the chance came. But anyway, what am I saying? Faith begets faith. You see, if you have no faith at all, the sad fight of the thing is for people that have become atheistic. They don't believe God exists at all. They have shipwrecked their faith. Do you know how difficult it is if you have shipwrecked your faith to start the process of believing? I mean, it's almost impossible. What is the answer for people like that? Like with Mimosa Circle. Our first lesson, people are welcome from all forms of life, whether they're Christian or not. We say to them, listen, you don't have to believe. Don't worry about your, your faith level here, but just give God a chance. I mean, just give him a chance. Are you hearing me? Just give him a chance. And what happens? When we give God a chance, you know what? He comes to the party. Amen? And say, maybe God's there. That happened to me. As a student, I didn't believe there was a God. I didn't want to believe there was a God. If you don't want a God around watching over you, you won't have him. Amen? Even if he's there or not. Do you understand that? It just If you close the door to God, God will not manifest to you. Your faith will be shipwrecked. Your ability to believe somebody that you cannot see will not exist. But you see, in that situation, God spoke to me through my friend, opened the door, and I was prepared to humble myself and just give him a chance. Amen? If you're there, show me. That's all he needed. Amen? And you see, I've learned since then, he manifests himself to you. But if you have that element of faith restored to you, of the existence of a God you cannot see, you cannot stay there. Amen? That little seed is not enough. What have you got to do with the seed? You must plant it, you see, and water it. And what I've learned now is this, you see, the more you water the plant, what do you do to water the plant? Feed it with the truth. Amen? God is able. A good way to go to sleep at night is with these words going through your mind. My God is able. Just let it run through your brain. You'll have a good dream, by the way. <laughs> Rather than, oh, how am I going to pay the bill? Got <gasps> pain in my stomach. <gasps> can happen to this. <gasps> my children have all gone on holidays spiritually. <gasps> Fear. Thanks for that, John. I appreciate it. And for the laugh. I'm almost finishing, so you can all go home, have dindins, and have a nice slumber. Hallelujah. But please understand, listen, it's exponential. The more faith you have, the more you're able to receive the word. Are you hearing me? The easier it is to believe the word. Are you hearing me? And you see, you come to a place where God says, thank you, Lord, I take, I receive that, no problem, I believe it. It comes to the place where you and I can operate in real-time faith. You know what I mean by that? Real-time faith. The instantaneous 
results of your faith for a person when you pray for them. Amen? God is able. God is able. God is able. God is able. If I could just say one thing to all of us here, God is able. He's more than able. He can do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that you can ask or think or even imagine. That's another good thing to go to sleep thinking about. My God is able to do. You know, I came to the place the other day and I thought, isn't it stupid to even say these things? Why? Because, I mean, of course God's able. How silly to even think, entertain the thought that he might not be able. Are you hearing me? That's faith fully grown. We start to realize whatever you say is going to happen. You lay hands on the sick, they recover. Praise God. Real-time faith, you see. But it starts where? The bit that we have. The bit that we have. And that sometimes means brain shut up. You understand? Brain shut up. The doctors have said, shut up. Hallelujah. The facts say, shut up. Facts for information are subject to change. Are you hearing me? Facts are subject to change. The truth remains forever. What are you going to believe? What are you and I going to choose to focus on? Let me tell you, in every situation, if you choose to focus on a positive outcome, what's going to start happening all the time? You're going to expect nothing else other than. Are you hearing me? In fact, when it doesn't work out, you think, my goodness me, what's happened? There was a man, he was an investor, stock market investor. You know what his policy was? When he heard from God, he invested. And then if it didn't work out, you know what he did? He got on his knees until he got an answer from God. What am I doing wrong? He expected every investment to work out 100%. You get it? That's the way to approach life. I'm going to the doctor. Thanks to a certain family shall not be mentioned, I found myself in the seat of an optometrist for the first time in 40 years. Mr. Barlin, you've got a cataract in your left eye developing. Are you on medical aid? No, she asked me, am I on medical aid while she was looking? I knew it was coming. And when she was finished, I said, no, that's fine. Thank you very much. It's all very good for now. Manage. And she said, it will get progressively worse. Wonderful, isn't that? It's not going to get progressively worse for your information. It's going to get progressively better. And I'm going to go to next 40 years later. And she said, what's happened to your eye? There's nothing wrong with it. I don't change optometrists that quickly. <laughs> you understand? Listen, we've got to develop our faith. You can't be lazy about it. Amen? It's not just for you and I. Did you know that? I mean, it works. We start off working it for ourselves. You understand? But that's not the purpose. That's not the purpose. We're supposed to be having a life which lives in divine health. Amen? When you talk about people that don't have any faith at all, all right, what is the answer? You might say, how are you ever going to possibly get them saved? Let me tell you how you and I are supposed to get them saved. Through signs and wonders. Amen? Paul the Apostle said to the Corinthians, you've got all these mealy-mouthed preachers around you. They're much better than I am, better orators, etc. They're more, how shall I say, good at speaking, etc. But I don't bother with this fancy speech business. I come in power. Amen? I come in power. That's what we have to have, you see. You can't argue with somebody to get them saved. But you can tell them, listen, 
you're talking to me about your atheism, but I can see that your father's been diagnosed with cancer. How did you know that? God Almighty that you don't believe in told me. Oh, very interesting. Let's pray for him. And he gets healed. Then guess what? Tell me about this God Almighty that I know nothing about. That's the whole purpose. The evangelist is supposed to operate in signs and wonders. For what reason? It's God's calling card to those who do not have any faith at all. Are you hearing me? That's the calling card. We're not supposed to sit here and say, Oh my soul, your daughter Lord has been diagnosed with something or other. Please let's phone Benny in and ask him to jet in from America to come and help us. Would that make any sense at all? That's expecting him to be like Father Christmas. He'd have to burn up all over the world. You understand, we're supposed to be sitting here developing our collective faith so when we pray for somebody, guess what? Not mine, not one, it's all of our faith. Bam, we expect it to happen. Are you hearing me? We expect it to happen. That's how we're supposed to be living. Divine health, divine prosperity, all these things. But you see, you don't start off that way. We have to develop our faith. We've got to be a church filled with faith. Amen? Don't despair. As I said, sometimes you feel my faith is so, often feels how pathetic is my faith after all these years. I take comfort in the fact of what? Faith grows. The more faith I can give God, the more it is going to grow. You see, let me tell you, you see one miracle, it's easier to believe for another one, isn't it? We live in an environment where miracles are commonplace. Guess what? Out on the street, there won't be a big issue to just See somebody in a wheelchair, walk up alongside them, take them by the scruff and think, okay, you've sat long enough. Get up! Wouldn't it be lovely, eh? Carry on walking into the mall. You say, what about my wheelchair? I said, forget about that trash. Leave it for somebody else. Oh, the day. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. It's high and holy calling that we have. We know that you want us to rise up. You yourself said that we will do similar things to what you did and even greater and even greater. I come against every spirit of unbelief in our heart. It's trying to stop your word from bearing fruit. Anything that's preventing our faith from growing, I curse it. I put a curse on it now. The mighty name of Yeshua. We will not be a group of unbelieving believers. We will believe. We'll trust your word. We'll live in fear of your word. Fear and trembling. If you've said it, that's it. Who are we to even question it? Who are we to question your ability? Who are we to even think that maybe God can't do this? How ridiculous. Father God, I pray that anything, anything, that is holding our faith back, would be taken off us right now in your powerful name, and that we will live in the fullness of what you have for us, Father God. Being able to pull down heaven onto this earth in every single situation, Lord, that we might be manifest as the sons of the living God, created in your image. We ask this in the mighty name of Yeshua. Amen.